Kunisti, how are you? Welcome to the Candle of Tales podcast. Each week we'll tell an Irish myth with music and have a chat about it in the next episode. My name is Surika and I'm here with my brother Aaron. And this week we're listening to the Champions Portion, told by Aaron. This podcast is brought to you thanks to our Patreon supporters. Links and descriptions are below. And to hear about new gigs, courses or the latest news, go to candlelittales.ie or follow us on any social media at Candlelittales. But for now, hey Aaron, tell us a story. Now it was Crohor Magnassa, the King of Ulster, who had to finally give the official reading as to who was the champion of Ulster. But he did not want to name this champion because he knew he would cause upset amongst his people. The best warrior was undoubtedly Cucullin, but whether or not he was undoubtedly the best champion for the people, this was a bone of contention among many. So he decided to make his worst enemy his best friend and give the job of figuring out who was the champion to Queen Maeve of Connacht. Three champions left, racing each other on the way to Cruachanae. At least Larry Buyuk and Colin Karnak were racing each other. Cucullin was standing around showing off in front of all of the maidens of... Ulster, showing them how easy he could thread three times nine needles with one single piece of string, all thrown up into the air at once, and thrown through the eye of the needle, that single string went through all of them, enticing many blushes from the women of Ulster. Eventually, Leg hurried him on and got Cucullin onto the chariot. He raced forwards and quickly caught up with the other two. In Cruachanae, Queen Maeve was sitting around with many of the people of her court, including her daughter, Finever of the Fair Eyebrows. Suddenly they heard a thunderous noise coming towards them, and Finever went to the window, and looking across the fields coming towards them, A huge gust of dust was being kicked up by three chariots. The first she saw was driven by a man with curling, flaming red hair and a look of determination across his eyes and a firm, set jaw. That sounds like Larry Buyuk, the victorious. I wonder what he's doing here, said Queen Maeve. Then Vinever cried out that she saw another man with a crooked neck, pale on one side and freckled like foxglove on the other, one eye a different colour to the other, beetle black, one sapphire blue. Now, this man had a forked beard, revealing a barrel chest as he whipped his horses to spur them on. That sounds like Colonel Kernock said Maeve, and wondered, looked appallingly at Ollil, her consort, wondering why on earth these two warriors of Ulster were coming down in them, until Finnever described the third man she saw, and she blushed in doing so. He is beautiful. He has seven colours in his hair, seven hero lights shining from his eyes, and on each hand I can see seven fingers. He has the saddest eyes I've ever seen, said Finnever. Aha, uh-huh. 
That sounds like Cucullin, all right. Queen Maeve was quite disconcerted to hear that these three hardened warriors from Ulster were bearing down on Crocon Eye. She looked at Oliel, knowing one thing was for sure. They would be welcomed well. She gave swift orders and asked all of the women to go greet them. A feast was laid out and, as soon as the gates of Crocon Eye were opened, half of the women were dressed and half of the women that greeted them were very much not dressed. The men entered and were welcomed kindly by Queen Maeve and Oliel. A feast was had, music played, and three days and three nights went by before Queen Maeve eventually asked what it was that brought them to Krogan Eye. To discover who is the champion amongst us, said Larry Buyuk. Queen Maeve looked between them, knowing full well who the best warrior was, but realising what she was in for. Very well, she said. She asked them would they like to sleep in their same quarters or individual quarters, individual they chose. She said their testing would start the following morning and a good night's rest was needed. That night, she went to Tulsk, to Aon Nangat, and there she sat down and called a demonic cry to the other world. The hill opened wide and demon cats, the size of horses, came out, crawling and snarling and snapping. Queen Maeve led three of them, one to Larry Buyuk's house, one to Conal Kjarnik's and one to Cucullin, opened their door silently and softly and allowed the cats inside. This, she thought, would be a good test. Whoever survived the night would be the clear winner. Now Larry Buyuk instantly jumped to the rafters and held on tight while the cat prowled, snarled and snapped below. Colonel Carnock had a different tact. He threw the bed between him and the cat, who with a swipe of his paw destroyed it in one blow. He pulled the furniture and the closets around him and boarded himself in the corner, hiding behind the fortress that he'd made for himself. Cullen had a different tactic. As soon as the door opened, he leapt to his feet. He saw the beady eyes of the cat coming towards him. He pulled his sword and lashed it across the head, shattering the blade of the sword till he only held the hilt. He locked eyes with the cat. It made a swipe for him and he stood still and stock steady and sat down. There he kept staring at this cat, which didn't know how to react. So the cat simply stared back. They remained like that until morning, and when Queen Maeve opened the door at dawn, the cat darted out, back to whence it came from. There was a clear winner, thought Maeve, but all ill warned her, you know now you're going to be in trouble no matter what you do. Whoever you present the championship to, well, you'll have a fight in your hands with the other two. Queen Maeve didn't really take Larry Buick all that seriously, but Colonel Kjarnik was formidable. It was said, after all, that he didn't spend a single night without the head of a conicked man between his knees. She hoped that that hadn't been the case last night. Nonetheless, she agreed with Oliel and decided to be a bit more tactful. She invited Larry Buick to her quarters. He arrived and she presented him with a cup to present back in Aomaka to 
declaring he was the champion. He left smugly and quite happily. She then asked Colonel Kiernan to come to her quarters and he arrived. She presented to him with a cup, instructing him that the next time someone asked who was the champion of Ulster, he should present this cup and everyone would know. Colonel Kiernan was delighted and left smugly, his crooked neck nodding his happy head as he left. Then she sent a messenger for Cucullin to arrive to her quarters. But he didn't come, so she sent another messenger. He came back to her and said, Cucullin's, uh, well, he's not going to come because he said you're not his queen and uh, he's very tired because he didn't sleep much last night and uh, he, he's, uh, he's a bit cranky. Queen Maeve sighed but resolutely walked down to Cucullin's side. She presented him with a cup, and like she had said to the others, told Cucullin to present this cup when next the championship of Ulster was to be decided. Cucullin thought this would work very well, and as he left, he smiled to Queen Maeve, who did not return the smile. When the champions of Ulster left Crookonai, they left in three different stages and each one of them passed by a group of boys playing in the yard, playing the wheel-toss game. Now the wheel-toss game was quite simple. The wheel of a wagon was held by the strongest boy and tossed into the air the highest that they could throw. When Larry Buyuk was walking past, the boys called to him the champion of Ulster. They said, surely could toss this wheel very high indeed. Larry Buyuk strutted over, grabbed the wheel, and threw it as tall as the nearest building's wall. It came back down and landed in his hands. He handed it back, and they all gave a sarcastic cheer for Larry Buyuk, who took it as a sign that he was fantastic and brilliant, and indeed Ulster's champion, and rode back to Olmaca, very satisfied. Then Colonel Kiernock came. And the boys similarly asked him to toss the wheel of the wagon as tall and as high as he could. The brute of a warrior grabbed the wheel in his huge hands and threw the wheel as tall as the highest wall on the outskirts of the fort. It came back down with a crash and landed heavily. All the boys gave a loud ooh. Sarcastically again, although Colonel Kernock thought it was because he was so impressive. And he left, very satisfied, going back to Omaka, thinking he was the champion as well. Then Cucullin came out. The boys asked him to toss the wheel, and he grabbed it. Not sure of himself amongst these unknowing, suspecting, scrutinous eyes, he decided to throw the wheel as high as he could. And he threw it into the air and it went up and up and up and up and up until it disappeared past the clouds. Then suddenly they heard a whizzing so ferocious and fast the wheel came down with a blur of motion and crashed hard into the stones of the ground. Everyone gasped and stood back and Cucullin felt shame and a hot flush rise to his cheeks. He thought he should have caught it. That would have been more impressive, he thought. He shook his head, climbed onto his chariot 
and a bit distraught went back to Owen Maca with leg driving. When they arrived there, Crohor Magnasso was delighted and welcomed them into the feasting hall. He asked them to tell him who was the champion and who was deserving of the champion's portion at this feast. He was, of course, dismayed when they all in chorus said, I am. Crohor put his face into his hand, dismayed at this. He asked to see their trophies and each one of them produced their cups. Larry Buyuk, a bronze cup with a silver bird embedded into it. Carnock's was a silver cup with a golden bird in it. And, well, Cucullin's was a golden cup with a bird embedded with jewels and sapphires. The winner and champion was clear. But as soon as Cucullin went to take the champion's portion, Larry Buyuk and Conal Karnak contested it, saying that he must have slept with Queen Maeve. After all, they saw her going into his quarters, and he simply must have seduced her. That was the only logical answer. They all went annoying back to their homes. Cucullin back to Dundalgan, Larry Buyuk back to his home, and Conal Karnak back to the border to protect it. The champions were not speaking, and Crohor Magnassa still had a problem. This fight could kick off at any time. So he decided to ask a favour of the Hound of Munster. Kuroi Magdara, the greatest judge in all of the land. The three champions agreed to go to Munster, to Cahar Conri, and... Whoever was decreed the champion after Kuroi Magdara, they agreed they would stick to his judgment. The three of them travelled the long length of Ireland separately, and when they came to Carcanri and the Dingle Peninsula overlooking the wild Atlantic, they were greeted not by Kuroi Magdara, but by a woman named Blanad who introduced herself as Kuroi's daughter. She had been given instructions. She seemed to know all about the champion's portion and the tests they would go under. She told them that she would take care of everything. She was left in charge. Kuroi Makdara was off searching for the fear far, truth of man. Planet told them the first test would happen this night and Larry Buyuk would be the first one tested. He was left outside the walls of Car Conry, and when the sun set, the walls grew three times their normal size and began to spin like a wheel, churning around, no way to get in. Larry Buyuk looked around, nervous and on edge, not sure what the test would be. Suddenly, from the water, a huge head rose up and a massive giant with one eye in his head was standing before him. The giant cyclops reached down and picked up trees as if they were twigs and flung them at Larry Buyuk, who desperately ran and tried to clamber away. The giant caught Larry Buyuk and tossed him like a child over the wall. He landed heavily smack down in the middle of the court. Everyone rushed out to hear the noise of him landing. And when he stood up, they were astonished. They all said, He's after jumping over the wall. What an amazing warrior from Ulster. 
Just look at that. Larry Boyuk said, Aye, that's, that's right, I surely did. <clears throat> that's what I did. I jumped over the wall. Following night, Colonel Kjarnik was tested in the very same way. He was left out of the gates of Kaharkanri. The walls grew three times their normal size and spun around like a wheel, moving so fast he couldn't even pick out a single rock that was in the wall. It blurred so fast past his vision. Then suddenly a huge giant came out of the water, reaching down for trees, throwing them like missiles at Colonel Kjarnak, who leapt and jumped out of their way. Once more, he was picked up like a babe and tossed over the wall, landing in a heap and a massively loud crash. Everyone once more came out and said, Jez, look, he's done the same thing as your man the night before. He jumped over the wall. They're great lads up there now, aren't they? This time, Colonel Kjarnak simply nodded and looked Cucullin dead in the eye. He was not surprised to see Cucullin fiercely staring back at him. The third night, Cucullin's turn as he took watch. He saw the walls grow and spin as fast as a wheel. Something strange was in the air. He heard on the wind a howl, a shriek of laughter. From the veil of the other world, three times nine warriors emerged, all of them fey, all of them warriors, and carrying lanterns to lead them on their way right down to Gugulun to fight him. He fought brilliantly and quickly, knocking their heads from their shoulders and piling them high till three times nine heads were there. He thought this test was over until... The giant cyclops rose from the water next to him and, picking up trees, flung them at Cucullin, who darted and jumped and leapt around. He could not see any way to destroy this beast. The giant reached his huge hand to try and grab Cucullin, and that's when he saw his chance. He darted out of his grasp and jumped and ran along his upper arm, and with his sword he went hacking at his neck, kicking and hacking and howling until the giant cyclops' head fell from his shoulders, causing a huge wave. One Cucullin had to ride to land back onto land safely. But then he stared up the swirling walls, not having a clue how the other two had managed to jump and vault themselves over this huge wall. Well, he decided he'd better have a go of it. So he ran and jumped as best he could, a huge salmon leap that landed him straight in the middle of the wall, banging his head and flinging himself back down onto the ground. Bruised and sore and angry, he arose and tried once more. He gave himself a longer run this time and vaulted himself into a huge salmon leap that got three quarters up the wall, hitting his head once more. He landed back down. And this time he got very angry. His hair bristled, his teeth became fangs, an eruption of blood came in from his forehead. As the anger warp spasm took hold, his muscles bulged, and from that spot he leapt a great salmon leap up into the air, vaulting over the wall of Karakhanri and landing, shattering the stones beneath his feet in the courtyard. When the anger abated, they saw him standing there, furious but brilliant.
Clonard came out and decreed that it was clear Cucullin was the champion of Ulster. But Clary Buyuk and Conan Carnock cried out that he must have had friends from the Fae helping him. They saw lights leading the way down to Cucullin. They must have been friends, not foes as they were. And so they did not trust Cucullin. His father was of the other world, so he must have had help from the other world. Well, once more they had to go back to their home province of Ulster. Cucullin back to Dundalgin, Conal Carnock back minding the borders, and Larry Buyuk was left in the halls of Owen Maka. He decided to name himself champion, while the other two were not around. The people thought it was all right, while the other two weren't around at least. Now time went on like this, Gror Magnassa uneasy in his halls whenever feasting was had, not sure would the champion's portion kick off another fight and another riot. But one day, not long after, they went to the Hound of Munster. A strange man came loping towards Awanmaka. A huge man, burly-chested, black-haired, brindled beard and a huge axe in his hand. He decreed that his name was Uud and he was searching for a champion and a man of his word. He said that he had been looking all over Ireland for anyone to meet his challenge. All I want is a champion who will agree to chop off my head on this block so that I might come back the next day and chop his head off. But no one will do it, said Uud, the scary stranger. He began to mock and jeer the men of Ulster for not having a champion, until they all looked to Larry Buyuk, who had decreed himself to be the champion, and they thought it fitting that he should do something about these torments and these jeers. Larry Buyuk said, All right, okay, I'll chop your head off, so fine. And sure enough, Ood laid his head down on a block, and Larry Buyuk, the victorious, picked up the axe and chopped his head off with one swift blow. There you go now, I've done it. <laughs> but to his astonishment, Ood stood up. The giant of a man picked up his own head, and speaking from the head in his hand, he said, Until tomorrow then, champion. Well, Larry Buick was terrified. He didn't know heads chopped off could get back up again. And he was very not sure about being chopped off himself. So, well, the following day came and Ood arrived to Aumaka. And he called out looking for this champion who chopped his head off the day before. He simply wanted to return the favour, he said. But Larry Buick was nowhere to be found. Once more, Uud began to chastise, torment, mock and jeer all of the people of Ulster for not having any honour, for giving their word and not sticking to it. Eventually, the people could not bear to hear their province describe so badly and they sent for Conal Carnock. Surely he would meet this challenger and not refuse the test. Conal Carnock arrived and solemnly took up the axe as Ood lent his head out on the block. He took the axe down in a huge arc, chopping his head clean from his shoulders. 
and then, looking around, he chopped the head in two and then four, kicking the pieces of the head away. Wood stood up, nonetheless. He went to the four pieces of his head and placed them in his hands. Not able to speak, one of his eyes seemed to roll and wink at Colonel Carnock. A shiver went down his spine as he watched Uud walk away from Aumaka, knowing he'd be back the following day. Sure enough, the following day came. Uud came back with his head fully intact, but Colonel Carnock was nowhere to be found. Now was the time they all knew they must send for Cucullin. He was the only one who might be able to match this test, and they couldn't have it that a stranger came and could leave with such a story that the people of Ulster could not honour their word. So Cucullin, the people's chosen champion, came to match this test. He took the axe from the huge man who lent his head and neck across the block. Cucullin chopped his head off with one swift blow. And then, knowing who it was about to get up, he took the head and flung it as far away as he could, right over the farthest hill on the horizon. Ood stood and turned, and if he had eyes, he was sure they were rolling inside of his head and shaking his head at that. The giant man walked away without his head, but towards where Cucullin had thrown it. Now Cucullin sat down and waited for the day to pass. As the time came near for Uud to return, the women began to keen, for they did not want to see Cucullin die. The men began to ask Cucullin to run away. They told him, there'd be no harm, sure, just go on, get out of here, we don't want to see you die. The women begged him and pleaded him. But Cucullin sat firmly. He had given his word that he would stay here and wait and meet this test and this challenge from this stranger. And there was nothing that would stop him now. Wood slowly loped and walked up Thawanmaka, all eyes on the brute. He came to Cucullin and said, Ah, at last, someone to meet my challenge. Please stretch out your neck on the block. Cullen did so. As all of the women wailed, the men looked away. Do you have any last word? No, just get on with it, begged Cullen, now wishing for this day to firmly end. Wood took the axe up over his head and brought it down with a thud right next to Cucullin's head the wrong way up, blunt side down. Suddenly Cucullin looked up at him and did not see Wood anymore. The figure had changed his shape and he recognised him as the Hound of Munster. Kuroi Makdara stood there fiercely, eyes blazing at everyone. This man is your champion, and if anyone has a problem with that, 
They can come and see me down in Car Conri. And after that day, no one challenged Cucullin for the champion's portion, and he was forever known as Ulster's champion. This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan and Rory O'Shea. You can find more about us on our website, candletales.ie. And we are on all the social medias, so like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales, or send us a message to get on our mailing list. For more of our videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our channel on YouTube, which also now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist, hashtag Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We also do really love to hear back from you guys. So if you have any questions or requests, please feel free to contact us directly or leave a question in the comment section below. Because what we're trying to do is just get these stories out there and share them with as many people as possible and ask you to tell them as well. Anything you can do to help us out is hugely appreciated. And we especially appreciate you listening. You.